you sit there and you thump your Bible and you say your prayers and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. Welcome back, guys, to WrestleRant Radio here today. I'm Graham Giusta Matthews for March 16th, 2017. It is that day of the year. No, I'm not talking about March Madness. Who could possibly give a shit about that crap? It's Stone Cold Steve Austin Day, baby. 316, swig of soda for the working man. I don't drink alcohol, so. Swig of soda for the working man. I look forward to celebrating the holiday by possibly watching some old Stone Cold Steve Austin matches on the WWE Network. Open up a can of whip-ass and some other efforts. Oh, hell yeah. But before we do that on the show here today, we got the triple threat coming up first. You got it, guys. I spoke about it last week. I revealed the news on the Twitter machine. We got the new, the all-new, I almost said the Ring of Honor, but the all-new Ring of Honor world champion, the fallen angel Christopher Daniels. What? 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 Yeah, you got that right, Stone Cold. We got the all-new Ring of Honor world champion on the show here today. The interview was recorded just mere hours ahead of last week's explosive 15th anniversary show presented by Ring of Honor. Just an absolutely extraordinary pay-per-view. They put on some good shows in the past. But that show last Friday, let me tell you, if you were frustrated with Fastlane as much as I was last week, we spent all of last week's amazing episode of WrestleRant Radio. If you haven't already done so, check it out right here on the website at nextairwrestling.net. But uh, we, we spoke all about it last week, Tom and I, who was unfortunately not here today. But he will be back next week to help me break down WrestleMania and everything else down the pike. But uh, if you were frustrated with Fastlane, then Ring of Honor's 15th anniversary show, that pay-per-view is the event for you. It was fucking phenomenal. Excuse my French. I probably should have said that before I swore, but it was fucking phenomenal. Um, Check it out when you can. I'm sure it will be up on Ring of Honor's website, their VOD section at some point. Can't wait to rewatch it. Just an absolutely extraordinary event. Very, very, uh, very much a fun time on Friday night. Um, But on Friday night, we had a new Ring of Honor world champion crowned, and his name is Christopher Daniels. Now, as I had said, this interview was recorded mere hours before he captured the championship. So in this interview, we talk all about his journey to the prestigious prize that is the Ring of Honor world title, his legacy in Ring of Honor, his favorite matches, his favorite opponents, uh, the creativity and coming up with the character of the addiction. And speaking of the addiction, I ask ask, uh, Chris all about the split of the addiction from the week prior. Now, if you can recall... That week in Ring of Honor television, mere days before Daniels won the Ring of Honor World Championship, Frankie Kazarian seemingly, keyword seemingly, turned on Christopher Daniels and joined the Bullet Club. But then it was revealed, I mean, spoiler alert, but it's been a week, uh, he then revealed that he was in cahoots with, with, with Daniels all along, and they got one over on the Bullet Club, and Daniels became the new Ring of Honor World Champion, so... It's interesting to hear Daniels' comments about Frankie and the fact that they've split up and his sights aren't really set on that, but rather winning the world championship. 
some interesting comments from the challenger going into the pay-per-view. So check that out. It's a great interview. After that, we got the Ring of Honor COO Joe Koff on the line talking all about the event itself as well, talking about Ring of Honor's legacy, working with other companies, talking about WWE, TNA, uh, where else the company can go from here, what else they can accomplish, big stars, favorite moments. Again, a lot of great stuff, a lot of insider perspective from the COO of ROH himself. Looking forward to talking to Joe Koff about that. And then to cap off the exciting hour right here on WrestleRant Radio, we got the Bleacher Report featured columnist and the host of Ring Rust Radio, Donnie Wood, back here on WrestleRant Radio, a year removed from his last appearance, to help me preview WrestleMania, talk about Raw and SmackDown Live from this past week. Looking forward to talking to Donnie all about that shit. But in the meantime, and in between some folks, enjoy my exclusive interview, first and foremost, with a new Ring of Honor World Champion, the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels. Chris, how you doing today, brother? Good, man. How's it going? Doing good, doing. I'm excited for the pay-per-view on Friday. You got Ring of Honor's 15th anniversary show, uh, 15 years after the company's debut. You're headlining the show for the Ring of Honor World Championship. How are you feeling going into the show on Friday? Uh, very confident, man. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Thanks. No problem. So, as I said, Friday, March 10th, this upcoming Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Sandtown's Live, Las Vegas, Nevada. You, Adam Cole, for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Uh, what does it mean to you to be headlining Ring of Honor's 15th anniversary show after competing in the main event of Ring of Honor's very first event ever, the Era of Honor Begins, almost exactly 15 years earlier? Well, honestly, uh, it's it's sort of, uh, it's sort of surreal to know that in the 15 years Ring of Honor's been around, that the name Ring of Honor has become synonymous with great wrestling. And you look at the guys that have held that championship in the past, guys like Brian Danielson and Loki and Samoa Joe and CM Punk, Austin Aries, Tyler Black. I mean, I could, I could sit here and name names for five minutes straight. And uh, to know that I have that opportunity to add my name to that list of guys and to represent Ring of Honor uh, as some of the best wrestling on the planet yeah, it's uh, it's surreal, and to know that I was there at the very beginning and been there off and on throughout the 15 years, uh, it's a real special moment for me. And the cool part about these main events that Ring of Honor does, from Final Battle, All-Star Extravaganza, which you also headlined six months ago, that was my first ever Ring of Honor live show, it was absolutely incredible, Ladder War 6, um, but the, the point being that the main events that Ring of Honor puts on always have these big fights feel. You know, you're going for your first Ring of Honor World Championship on Friday, hopefully winning it against Adam Cole. Um, but leading into these pay-per-views, Ring of Honor does a great job of hyping up the main events. And uh, on their YouTube channel this past week, you had this amazing sit-down segment this past week where you discussed why you needed to win. So do you feel you have this advantage over Adam Cole, not only in terms of your experience in the business, obviously, um, but also that it's a must-win, nothing-left-to-lose situation for you? Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's an advantage. I, I certainly feel like uh, that all-or-nothing, that win-or-go-home mentality it certainly uh, aids me, and it gives, you know, it's, it's tough to defend against the guy who's got nothing left to lose. So Adam's got a, a challenge, but at the same time, you know, I'm fighting the uphill battle. This guy's uh, the first three-time heavyweight champion. Uh, he's coming off a great win over Bobby Fish last week in New York, uh, you know, winning the title in the Tokyo Dome. He's got a ton of momentum on his side, and one thing that, not everybody knows, I don't think, is that uh, in the course of my career, I've never beaten Adam Cole once. Like, all the times we've ever fought, he's always got his hand raised. 
So, I mean, I feel like I'm also fighting that uphill battle, trying to figure out how to solve the Adam Cole, the Adam Cole puzzle, and hopefully I, I figured it out on Friday. And also, in addition to being one of the last remaining active wrestlers from your generation, you are always reinventing yourself and are always every bit as capable currently of contesting a classic at this stage of your career as you were 10, 20 years ago, in my opinion. Uh, how much pride do you take in being among the elite few who can say that, along with guys like Chris Jericho and the like? Um, well, that's a, that's, a, that's a very uh, positive comparison, and I appreciate, uh, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, I feel like uh, I've been very fortunate in the sense of, uh, you know, I've avoided major injury, and uh, I feel like I've wrestled a smart style. I've wrestled uh, within my capabilities, but still given my all whenever I've gone out there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes wrestling can chew you up and spit you out. Um, a lot of guys go out early due to injury or due to, you know, just the grind of it all. And I've been very fortunate. I consider myself very fortunate. This business is inherently dangerous. And uh, you can look at uh, Tomaki Hanma in New Japan to even just be reminded that any moment you can take a bump that could, you know, stop a momentum or end your career or anything. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my, my best wishes go out to him. I know he's recovering well uh, since that injury. But, you know, these things happen. And, and, and again, it's an inherently dangerous sport. And uh, to be able to last 24 years like I have, uh, I, I consider myself so very lucky. So going into the match on Friday as well, Adam Cole, obviously he's got the Bullet Club who has been, you know, they've interfered in quite a few of his matches in the past, a lot of his Ring of Honor World Championship matches. Uh, prior to this past week, you had Frankie Kazarian, your tag team partner of five years, dating back to your time in TNA, obviously now in Ring of Honor, and it goes back, the friendship dates back much further than that. Um, it was, as I had said, it was this past week on TV that he shocked the world by revealing his allegiance with the Bullet Club. Uh, did you feel it was the right time for you to refocus on singles competition, or do you see or do you see that there's a point down the line that you and Frankie will eventually reunite? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I feel like uh, like this decision that Frankie made, especially knowing that I needed all the support I could get going into this match with Adam Cole, for him to sort of turn his back on me. Um, I don't know, man. That's a, it'll be hard to something to forgive. And, uh, but, I mean, I can't concentrate on that right now. I'll deal with Frankie uh, starting March 11th. But March 10th is, the, is my focus right now. Adam Cole's my sole focus. And if I start to think about the feeling of betrayal that, that uh, Frankie joining Bullet Club has given me, then Adam, Adam already wins. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I have to put that aside and sort of swallow that until the day after this match and concentrate fully on wrestling Adam Cole. And speaking of Frankie Gazarian, during your time in Ring of Honor as well as in TNA, you guys were among the elite few people that were constantly changing up your act and coming out in different costumes, obviously taking a more comical approach to wrestling, but in, 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 in an entertaining way, excuse me. Um, how much fun did you have during that phase of your career, and how much of that creativity was your own? Um, well, all the creativity was us, man. I mean, nobody ever wrote that stuff. Um, if you saw us coming out dressed as the Legion of Boom or <laughs> or in the, the kilts or uh, the Siegfried mm -hmm. Moy, that was me and Frankie. And, um, you know, I, I certainly look back on that period of time as, as a high point. Um, you know, I, I felt like that was a period of time where we just sort of went out and did what we what we thought was entertaining and, and we realized that a lot of people felt that we were right, that we were entertaining. And um, for that period of time, I feel like we were the most entertaining thing on the TNA channel. 
Um, you know, but that's you know that's in the past now. And speaking of which, as well, I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. That's you. Oh no, sorry. I thought I heard had heard something, but uh, no, I was just going to bring up that you have said yourself in the past that Ring of Honor is the future of professional wrestling, and when you look at the current landscape of WWE, TNA, really any other organization in wrestling right now, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Is there anyone on the Ring of Honor roster at the moment that you see breaking out as a megastar down the line? Oh, absolutely, man. You can you can run down the line and talk about Dalton Castle and Marty Skrull and Will Osprey and Adam Page, uh, Leo Rush. Um, you know, I, I mean, those guys, those those guys right there. Uh, Shane Taylor is, uh, is an amazing uh, talent. Um, all of these guys have got opportunities, and and they're using Ring of Honor as that as that uh, that platform to show the the world that they are among the best in the world. And also among the Ring of Honor originals, as you are yourself, uh, that has gone on to great success in other companies, is, of course, AJ Styles, someone that you know very well, both inside and outside the ring. What have been your thoughts on how he has thrived as a megastar in WWE, proudly representing his Ring of Honor roots? Uh, I, I'm, I'm so happy for him. I mean, honestly, I knew that if he had the opportunity, he would thrive there. And, um, you know, just judging from his response last year in the Royal Rumble and his year... Up until now, I mean, everything's been going so well for him, and he deserves it. I mean, he worked very hard um, the years he was at TNA and then stepping away from TNA and going to New Japan like he did and thriving there. Um, it just proves he's probably the best in the world at this moment, and uh, you know, I look forward to see what happens for him in this WrestleMania season. I hope they give him a, a, a good feature match, something that he can go out there and perform at the best of his abilities. And also, as well, kind of speaking outside of wrestling, could you talk a little bit about your new line of uh, All Yeah Comics? I mean, it was cool to see that you got to, you were able to promote it last week. I saw the uh, Twitter conversation they had with Daniel Bryan, of course, the SmackDown GM, and a Ring of Honor original as well that you know very well. So can you talk a little bit about your uh, new line of comics coming out? Uh, yeah, uh, a couple years ago, uh, myself and Frankie, we, uh, we put out a comic book with Art Balthazar and Franco, who are two Eisner award-winning uh, comic creators and cartoonists. Um, they have their own imprint called Ah Yeah Comics, and in 2014, we released a book called Chris Redenius and Kazarian Wrestle Ah Yeah Comics, um, you know, with the idea of trying to find something for that 8-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old kid that comes to wrestling shows that might not be interested in buying a DVD or buying a T-shirt. Um, you know, and uh, we got a great response. Uh, Art and Franco are basically the Pixar of all ages comic books. So they were the perfect guys to do this with. Um, this February, we released uh, All Yeah Comics Team Up Number One, which is the ongoing uh, the ongoing saga, uh, the continued story of me and Frankie interacting with Action Cat and Adventure Bear, uh, Adventure Bug and Awesome Bear. And um, you know, so far we've had a lot of great uh, feedback from the kids and the families that come to Ring of Honor shows and and get the book and read it. And uh, we're looking to continue to do more stuff with Art and Franco in the future. And really, you faced virtually anyone who was or is a someone in Ring of Honor currently or in the past or even in the future probably, but is there anyone left on the roster? I mean, really, either on the Ring of Honor roster or elsewhere in the, in the world of wrestling uh, that you wish to face in the future? Um, well, you know, if, if, I had, uh, if I had that number one uh, dream spot, I think I'd have to uh, ask Chris Jericho if he wouldn't mind lacing the boots up with me. Um, he's someone that I've always admired and someone I've aspired to emulate uh i felt like he was always the 
epitome of the best blend of athleticism and entertainment. And, um, you know, the, the same way that you were just talking about me and Frankie Zorda it, reinventing ourselves, I feel like he's the master at it. He's kept himself relevant all this time. Every time he, you know, leaves and comes back, he's doing something different. He's always entertaining. He's always interesting. And uh, he would be someone that I'd love to have an opportunity against. Um, but, I mean, you know, truth being that I'll probably uh, finish my career in Ring of Honor. And so, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to wrestling guys like Will Osprey, Marty Skrull, Leo Rush, um, you know, Shane Taylor. These are guys that I think um, I, I could have great matches with in the future. And, of course, going into Friday, your last major goal, becoming Ring of Honor World Champion against Adam Cole. Or is that your last major goal that you've set, your, that you've set for yourself in wrestling? Or is there anything else that you aim to accomplish inside the ring uh, before you call it a career? Um, no, really. I, I mean, if I could become World Champion, I think that would be all of the things that I aspire to um, other than continuing to wrestle at a top level. I mean, and that's an ongoing goal. I continuously am, am pushing myself to be able to wrestle uh, at a ring of honor level, at a level commensurate to uh, that top flight wrestling. And, um, you know, I'm surrounded by guys that are anywhere from five to 15 years younger than me. So, I mean, that's an ongoing goal that I push myself to, to attain every time I step through the ropes. So, I mean, if, if I if I can become world champion, yeah, that's probably the last, uh, I guess, bucket list goal that you could say. But even, even if I win that world championship, um, you know, the next day I've got to continue to train, continue to push, and uh, try to be Ring of Honor ready, so to speak. And as Ring of Honor celebrates 15 years, uh, what are your fondest memories within the company? Oh, well, certainly, certainly that first night, uh, that match with Brian and, and uh, Low Key, um, the, the one hour, the first world championship match, that one hour Iron Man that I had with Doug Williams and Spanky and, uh, and uh, Low Key. Um, you know, wrestling in the great Muda for the very first time in, uh, in a Ring of Honor ring. Um, you know, all the world championship matches that I had the opportunities to wrestle guys like Tyler Black and Claudio Cosignoli and uh, Roderick Strong, Austin Aries, uh, you know, Samoa Joe, CM Punk. You know, all these guys that I had that opportunity to, to wrestle with and interact with. Um, I feel like they've, they've made me better and they've... Uh, pushed me to continue to grow and, and uh, become better as a wrestler. And finally, for me as a fan, I think the coolest part about this match on Friday between you and Adam Cole is really the sheer storytelling of it. I mean, you can have great matches over and over, but it's really that storytelling that drives in the fans, casual fans, whatever. And it's something that I feel that you're a master at as, as a longtime fan of your work and having you watched your work in TNA as well. The year-long feud, I mean, you guys did multiple incarnations of your rivalry, but... The one, the last major feud you had with AJ Styles and TNA that lasted literally a year, if not over a year, from 2011, or rather, yeah, 2011 to 2012, and having a great blow-off match and New Year's resolution, and really that's what this match on Friday is all about with Adam Cole, that similar, almost in kind of a baseball comparison, similar to the Cubs winning the World Series, um, do you believe that chasing and hopefully winning the World Championship on Friday is one of the last great stories that can be told in Ring of Honor, uh, or really in wrestling in general, in your opinion? Um, I don't know if it's the last great story. It certainly is a great story, and hopefully, uh, you know, I'm up to the task of, of, of uh, hitting that storybook ending. Um, but yeah, I feel like, you know, it comes and goes. Like, these stories are, these, or, these stories organically grow, and, um, you know, who knows 
uh, how events are going to transpire to, uh, you know, add to that story of Ring of Honor as a whole. I mean, you never know who the next guy that's going to come and, and sort of uh, make that connection with the fans and become that next hot star. And, um, you know, we're always on the lookout for that sort of thing. And uh, you never know what's going to happen, That's what's going to transpire, who's going to leave, who's going to come, uh, arrive at Ring of Honor, that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, but I, and certainly it would be a great story and a great ending to that story if I could get my hand raised Friday night. Oh, absolutely. I'm looking forward to I'm pulling for you on Friday, as I said, Ring of Honor's 15th anniversary show, Friday, March 10th, 9 p.m. Eastern Time at Sam Towns Live, Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, anything else you'd like to share before we go off the air, uh, uh, Chris? No, just, you know, to the fans of Ring of Honor and to your listeners, uh, thank you very much for the support. Um, I say time and time again, but it's never enough that we wouldn't be where we are today if it wasn't for the support of the fan base that is uh, so passionate about what we do. And so thank you very much, and uh, we're going to reward you with a great show Friday night. I can guarantee it. Sounds good. Looking forward to on Friday. Thanks for your time, Chris. I really appreciate it. No problem, man. Thank you. No problem. Catch you down the road. All right, take care. We thank Christopher Daniels for his time. Great talking to him. And now we transition to another exclusive interview of mine from before Ring of Honor's 15th anniversary show last Friday. We welcome to WrestleRant Radio at this time, the Ring of Honor COO, Joe Koff. Joe, how are you doing today, my man? Hi, Graham. How are you, sir? Doing good. I'm excited. I got the pay-per-view tomorrow, ROH's 15th year anniversary show, tomorrow night, March 10th, 9 p.m., Sam Towns Live, Las Vegas. Uh, what are your thoughts going on the show tomorrow, just to kind of start off with? Well, obviously, we're very, very excited. You know, normally, the 15th anniversary show in and of itself is always a uh, a major show with filled with surprises. And mm-hmm. uh, I think we're going to have to play How Do We Top Ourselves from this past weekend. But um, I think the fans are in for a thrill tonight, uh, tomorrow night, and uh, in for a treat. And there'll be no disappointed, there'll be no bit disappointed viewers on pay-per-view or in the arena tomorrow night. I mean, as you had said, the anniversary show every single year always has something special to offer. Uh, what do you feel will make this upcoming installment of ROH's anniversary show the most special yet? Well, I think there's a couple of things. One, the fact that Christopher Daniels is uh, going to be having his title shot against our current champion, Adam Cole. And for Chris, this has been a journey that he's waited a long time and, you know, one that I'm sure that he covets. And at the same time, Adam Cole's not ready to give it up, I'm sure, either. So I think what we're going to have in that match is just, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to call it ROH experience and ROH newer experience uh, because Chris has been part of the company almost from its beginning, the decade of excellence. He was a, he was a combatant in that. And, uh, and uh, Adam Cole, obviously, has been part of the Sinclair era since 2011 so there's a lot at stake for both men and both are such great professionals and such consummate tacticians and and performers and students of their art i just can't imagine this not being one of the top matches anyone could see i mean as you said you kind of answered my next question there but this whole card is stacked i mean not only it's not a one-match show with daniels and cole you got the broken hardys coming in making their televised pay-per-view debut against roppongi vice and the young bucks yeah, Marty Skull, Marty Skull, Leo Rush for the television championship. Bully Ray making his ROA TV debut as well after Manhattan Mayhem last week. So, uh, again, you might have just answered it right there, but what matchup are you most looking forward to tomorrow night at the pay-per-view? Oh, I always get that question, Graham, and I always <laughs> hate to answer it because I'm never sure that, you know, what looks what may look unbelievably great to think about is either greater than that. 
or, you know, it may not reach that great level of expectation. You know, when we hold our expectations so high, it's sometimes hard to meet them. Now, I think the one thing about Ring of Honor that I've, I've always loved and the reason why I got involved with it is that no matter what, no matter what the challenge or opportunity is, our fans and our wrestlers meet that expectation every time, which results in that simultaneous cheering. You know, I, I, I think seeing Bully Ray in his first match has got to be pretty exciting for our audience and for our company. And, you know, he, his style of wrestling fits pretty well with the Briscoes um, against really three formidable opponents in War Machine. And, of course, having Davy Boy Smith Jr. back, that should be a great match. But I would be remiss if I started to name each match and thought what I thought I would happen. I think, as you said earlier, I'm going to leave it to your words, this is a pretty stacked card, and I think one match after the other is as good as the match before it and will be as good as the match after it. I mean, I mentioned earlier, and you've talked about it before in past interviews, the Broken Hardys, who even before just coming in last week and who showed up unexpectedly, you know, set the wrestling world ablaze by winning unexpectedly, again, the world tag team titles impromptu against the uh, the Young Bucks and, you know, in a two-on-two tag team matchup. And then tomorrow night, they face the Young Bucks yet again in Roppongi Vice. Uh, and again, I know you've talked about it before in terms of the deal that brought in Broken Matt for the final battle pay-per-view. It was a last-minute deal. Uh, speaking of just more recently, though, how did the deal to bring in the Broken uh, the Broken Hardys just last weekend, how did that come about, and how do you feel like they can help take ROH to the next level? Well, I think that, I, I, I mean, when I hear that taking to the next level, I think, I think our brand speaks to that next level. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think what it says to me is that the Hardys have an amazing respect for our company and their their ability and our ability to do something on such short-term notice really is flattering and, 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 and humbling to me. Um, the fact that Bully Ray would, would want to be part of Ring of Honor, not, not that every wrestler shouldn't, but he chose to be part of Ring of Honor. There's a big difference. When you choose to be part of something, you're making the decision to be part of that. And that, that pleases me, that humbles me, that that compliments me. Um, I think we're, you know, I, I don't want to use such a trifle uh, phrase as like we're the place to be, mm-hmm. but I think right now Ring of Honor is, is, is a place to be, and it's one that's in the spotlight, and it's the one that's getting a lot of attention, but it's getting a lot of attention, Graham, because of the work that the guys do. I mean, stars have come in and out of Ring of Honor. Some have been superstars that have gone on to bigger and better things, but there's been a lot of wrestlers over the years and even as we go into our 15th anniversary show, if we think about all of the talent that's come through Ring of Honor, and we just start naming names, we start getting into the double hand, you know, the double hands, who we can name. I think it's a testimony and testament to our, to our organization and the style and, and what wrestlers bring to that style. So it, 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 it's, I'm, I'm glad that talent like the, young, uh, the Hardy Boys, excuse me, Hardy Brothers and, and, and Bully Ray, they recognize that and want to be part of that. That's nice. I mean, to 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 work for, to run an organization where people want to be part of, that's important, and it's important to me, and it's important to our fan. And you just alluded to it right there as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on how Ring of Honor has been really approving ground, really kind of a breeding of sorts of stars, you know, of sorts from all over the wrestling world who eventually amounted to great success in WWE, as you have said. You know, guys like AJ Styles, CM Punk, you know, Kevin Owens, formerly Kevin Steen, who was previously with Ring of Honor a couple of years ago. All these guys proudly representing their roots in Ring of Honor. Uh, what are your thoughts on how Ring of Honor has kind of been, as I had said, a proving ground, a, a breeding ground of sorts for those kind of stars? Well... I'm not sure I would use those terms. I think it, it, it bears itself out to, to understand that it's a proving ground or a, a breeding ground. I, I, think, I think what you're seeing is because of the way we 
book and the way we wrestle and, and, the, and the people that come in to wrestle the Ring of, the Ring of Honor brand, it just raises their own level of, of ability to, a, to the next stage. And, you know, what's interesting, and this is our 15th anniversary, the fifth under Sinclair ownership, that landscape has changed dramatically over the last five years. Um, when we bought the company and proud of the company we bought from Carrie Silken, you know, we were labeled as one of the top indies. Now, we, we're, we're not part of that conversation anymore. Mm. You know, we're in a conversation with the WWE now, and, and, and I, we've earned that. And I didn't do that. My guys did that. And, and what they do every night and putting, and putting the, the, the matches together that they do, this is what's raised that level. And interestingly enough, and again, if I sound proud, I am proud, you know, all of the people that you mentioned, and they are a litany of great, great talent. That was years ago, some, some of those instances, as early as a couple years ago. And I would think that Ring of Honor right now is riding as, as, as in its best place it's been in a long time. Even with all those people leaving, we, we have an ability and um, we inspire and we desire people who want to get better at what they do. And this is a place for them to hone that craft. And by the way, the difference from five years ago to this year is that we actually have people that really want to stay in Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. And don't feel the need to go somewhere else because we have a culture and we have an environment and we create a, a stable place for guys to earn money, but also have other parts of their life, creative collaboration. I think Ring of Honor is just is becoming a destination as opposed to a stopping point. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, as you had said, the 15 year anniversary, I think is a perfect time to not only like think about the guys who have come through people like Brian Danielson and CM Punk, so on and so forth, as I mentioned earlier, but I think it's also a good time to kind of honor and celebrate more specifically the stars that have remained loyal to Ring of Honor, not only in the past couple of years, but even really since day one, people that were a part of that first show. Uh, the the beginning of the honor, the first ever show that you guys did 15 years ago. Guys like Christopher Daniels, who was on that first show, main eventing tomorrow right. night for the World Championship. The Briscoes, obviously. Jay Lethal. All right. guys who have either been here on and off or have been here consistently since day one. Do you think those stars specifically have helped make Ring of Honor what it is today and served as cornerstones of the company? Absolutely. You use the word cornerstone, I would use the word foundation. Mm-hmm. There has to be a foundational element in every organization. And these guys are our foundation. And you know if you build upon a solid foundation, you're going to build a sturdy building. And I couldn't think of a better a better cornerstones, bedrock foundation than the names that you have named. And I think 10 years from now, if there's a 25th anniversary show, while I would hope that those guys are still wrestling, there's going to be another group that's been there that long also serving as that foundation. You know, if, 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 you, have, if you have good, strong, solid roots, things continue to grow. And I think that the Briscoes, Christopher Daniels, Jay Lethal, guys like that really are the strength of the roots of our organization. And without them, I I think we would be having this conversation. Are there any members of the current roster that you see breaking out down the line and becoming wrestling's next megastar, similar to what kind of like Adam Cole and Jay Lethal are currently? Any young guys in the current roster? I know it's like, it's a difficult question to answer just because it's like asking who your favorite kid is. Um, but is there anyone on the roster currently that you see becoming your next big star down the line, similar to what, as I had said, a Cole and Lethal are today? Well, and it's a very good question, and I, and I, I will answer it. I'm going to be a little, uh, you know, guarded in the way I answer it, but... I think anybody who comes into Ring of Honor has that opportunity. It really depends on how they want to do their job and what they do with their job. I mean, it would be impossible not to recognize a Dalton Castle in, 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 that, in, that, in that vein. It would be impossible for me not to recognize 
the, 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 the makeup of the kingdom, Matt Taven and Vinny, T.K. Orion. It would be impossible not to say that Leo Rush, who's an incredible young talent, can't be one of those people. But you know what? The people that you mentioned, they, they were dedicated to their craft. And they did what they had to. And that includes our current champion, Adam Cole. And when you talk to the likes of the Jay Lethal, I mean, Marty Squirrel, I mean, how, how is he not going to be, like, huge? I mean, you know, he just, <laughs> just in thinking about that, <laughs> how is that not going to happen? Um, he's so talented and he's so articulate and he's so smart and he's, you know, he has such integrity. And, in that you know, and those are the guys that make it happen. And the, the people that I'm mentioning all have that potential. And if they apply themselves to their art, to their craft, and learn and grow and listen for what they don't know as opposed to everything they do know. I think we have tons of guys on our roster that could reach that level. It, it's just a matter of having the patience and having the time to develop it. I, I say it's like that song, Shaking It Like a Polaroid. You know, you've got to give it time to develop. Eventually the picture becomes crystal clear. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, too, you had mentioned it earlier, uh, with, with WWE and TNA, there's so many other companies out there uh, both from a, both a management standpoint and a fan standpoint, do you think there should be more competition in wrestling, or rather more companies working together, similar to how I mean, as you had said in past interviews, the the, the deal to bring in Broken Matt Hardy for that amazing moment at a final battle last year really came together at the last possible second. But do you think more deals like that should be made, like a Brandy Rhodes who was under contract to TNA at that time, still came into the show, appeared on screen? Do you think more of that stuff could benefit the world of wrestling on the whole? Well, I think anything that raises the level of our exposure and, and, and the level of professionalism in the industry is good for the industry. But, you know, there's, you know, when it comes to the promotions that you named, we all have our own unique, exclusive television deals, et cetera, et cetera. And that prohibits a lot of cross-pollination of talent. Now, I, I, I would like to see us be able to do more of that, but, you know, everybody's got to, everybody wants their piece of that. And... As long as there is conversation and dialogue that is constructive for both parties, I would love to see that happen because I think it would be a thrill to have to share talent that way. But you know, you're dealing with you're dealing with a lot of creative egos and a lot of creative different styles and understandings that I I think you know uh, it, it's it's always been difficult. I think we've made some progress in that. I'm proud of that. But down the road, obviously, if we could have that, would be fantastic. And you mentioned it earlier as well. It seems like Ring of Honor is a place where people legitimately are happy to be where they want to be. Um, you look at guys like the Broken Hardys, Bully Ray, people who want to be in Ring of Honor in the past, people like AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Austin Aries, when they were done with their respective companies, they came to Ring of Honor, had a lot of fun there before going elsewhere. But still, Ring of Honor is the place to be, and it's not a uh, you know a, a cliche thing to say as the slogan of the company is the best wrestling on the planet. But with, uh, with Ring of Honor, it's almost it almost seems like all free agents, whether it be from WWE, TNA, really across the wrestling world, eventually end up in Ring of Honor. If not immediately, the Broken Hardys left TNA last Tuesday, they showed up at Ring of Honor that Friday, Saturday, Manhattan Mayhem. Uh, are there any current free agents in the wrestling world right now that you would like to see be brought in uh, you know, at some point eventually down the line? I'm sure there are. Um, I, I, I can't name them because, quite frankly, I really leave a lot of that creative and a lot of the talent development to, to my creative and talent mm-hmm. people. Um, just the way I operate, um, you know, I'm familiar with a lot of the talent. Yes, there's talent I could name. I don't think that would be fair to my organization or to theirs to name that. But I, I, I would like to go back to a point that you made and, and you know, why Ring of Honor? 
because Ring of Honor feels like home to a lot of these guys because that is the culture that we have. Our culture is always to preserve our core, but to always stimulate the progress. And I think that's why a guy can come back in for whatever period of time they want, excel, be welcomed, and just have that impact because we welcome that. It, we, we really welcome that. And I think it's comforting for, the, for wrestlers to know that they could always come back to Ring of Honor. And I always extend that, welcome that out when people leave. I mean, you know, I, I never have blamed any of our talent or any talent that's ever worked for me, no matter which side of the business they are. If they feel there's a better place for them or for their family or for their careers, I do not want to get in their way. As long as they have done a good job for me and everyone who's left my ring of honor to go on to other things have been nothing but great performers, wonderful people, and gentlemen and gentlewomen. And that's all you can really ask for. I mean, if they want to be somewhere else, then they should be somewhere else. And I don't say it that way. I say it in the warmest way. They should be doing what they want to be doing, and no one should be getting in their way of that. And it's really quite amazing, too, when you think about it, just the the progress itself of Ring of Honor and the growth that you guys have shown in the past 15 years. I mean, let alone the last five years, as you had said, it's a completely different landscape and really a stronger roster, a stronger product, especially on air now than it really has ever been in a long, long time. Uh, It's really hitting its peak at just the right time with the 15th anniversary show tomorrow. In your opinion, how much has Ring of Honor evolved in those last 15 years? And uh, what more would you like to see the company accomplish in the future? Yeah, that's a fair question. I'm, I'm, I'm really going to only represent the last five because it's all a building block, and the last five, the last five wouldn't exist without the first ten. Mm-hmm. But it would, it, it would really be silly not to mention the fact that we have a great organization and I have a distribution platform that allows for this kind of growth. It allows for this kind of exposure. I mean, our, our, stars, our stars are seen by over a half a million people every weekend in their local markets, on their local television stations, finding their local ring of honor. We are seeing an additional, we are, we are available in an additional 80 million homes on Comet, which is our partnership with MGM, which is basically a sci-fi channel. We have syndicated markets other than, other than Sinclair that carry our product. This is a big, big driver to, I think, some of our success because we're exposing the product to, to a greater number of people we have backing. We have support. My company is incredible when it comes to supporting Ring of Honor. And it's taken us five years to get the talent to the point of comfortability that we are doing what we said we do. And, and by the way, Graham, we're very, very deliberate and focused in the way we conduct our business. Um, as you probably noticed, and I think that's one of the things that have made Ring of Honor so much stronger over the last five years, is that we have a plan. We keep to it. We adhere to it. We change it where it makes sense. But for the most part, we're doing it step by step, winning one wrestler who wants to perform for us at a time and winning one more fan who wants to watch us at a time. That's always been my philosophy, and, and we're, we're working it, and I think it's working. And as Ring of Honor finally celebrates its 15-year anniversary tomorrow um, at the pay-per-view, and I say legacy as it's in the past or it's done, obviously Ring of Honor is continually, constantly carving out its legacy in the world of wrestling, having been around for 15 years, obviously 15 years more and many more beyond that. Um, not when all is said and done, but currently as it stands right now. And again, a difficult question to answer. This is kind of broad, but what would you like the legacy of Ring of Honor to be? I think I want it to be remembered with those words legacy in it. I want it to be remembered with the word excellence in it. 
And not only to be remembered, I want it to be spoken of with those words. I think what we're creating on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis is excellent, excellent wrestling. And as long as we can continue to create that excellence, as long as we can preserve the core brand of what Ring of Honor really stands for from the wrestler's perspective to the fan's perspective, and and completely continue to surprise, we didn't even talk about that, Graham. I think one of, one of the things I, I love most about Ring of Honor and what we've been able to achieve is the element of surprise in this day of, of spoilers and internet, mm-hmm. you know, everything. The most surprised people in the arena on Saturday night were some of our wrestlers. And what, what, that's unheard of. But I think that's, that's the compliment to the organization, that this is important. It's important for us to be able to do. It's important for us to be able to execute. But most importantly, it's, it's important for us to be able to continue to please and surprise the wrestling fan. I think we've done that. And uh, maybe that's our legacy. So, I, you know, you can only talk about legacies. In, it's almost it's a hard question because, you know, it's like Forrest Gump. What's my legacy? <laughs> you know, I don't know it. Your, your legacy happens after it's over, and then, then you take a look at that past. That's mm-hmm. your legacy. Exactly. I think, what we're, I think what we're doing is we're a very authentic promotion that lives in the moment of today, not concerned about yesterday. Respect the past. Look forward to the future, but live for today. That is Ring of Honor. Oh, absolutely. I could not agree more. And I mean, I think as you had said earlier, excellent wrestling surprises. That's what Ring of Honor is really all about. And I'm sure tomorrow will be no different uh, with the Ring of Honor 15-year anniversary show. Friday, March 10th, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Sam Towns Live in Las Vegas. Certainly as a fan, I'm pumped for it. It's a stacked card, as I, as I said at the start of the show. Um, it's going to be awesome. Uh, Joe, though, I appreciate your time. Thanks a lot for joining me. Hey, thank you so much, Graham. I, I really appreciate that. I think that's great of you, and you you went right after it, so I appreciate that, too. <laughs> I hope, uh, hope I gave you everything plus a little more. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, best luck with the show tomorrow. I'll catch you down the road. I, I'll look forward to it, Graham. Thank you. Once again, a big thanks goes out to Mr. Joe Cuff for joining us here on the show today to talk all about Ring of Honor's 15th anniversary show. But now we switch our focus to an event equally exciting coming up in just 17 days that yours truly will be in attendance for WrestleMania 33. And ahead of the event in just two and a half weeks, we got the one and only Bleacher Report featured columnist and the host of Ring Rust Radio, Donald Wood, on the show to help me break down the latest card for the show of shows, the granddaddy of them all, WWE WrestleMania 33. Donnie, how's it going today, my man? I'm doing fantastic, man. Thanks for having me back on. I love the show. Of course. Appreciate it, man. But, uh, yeah, so I, w- I was kind of curious myself because I will be there this year for WrestleMania, my first ever Mania personally, uh, in the Orlando area. So tell me a little bit about this uh, event that you got going on WrestleMania weekend. Well, it's my first WrestleMania as well. I've never been to a WrestleMania before, so I'm very, very excited. Uh, we are doing a live show at the Sleep Inn and Suites uh, near the Orlando International Airport, uh, Saturday, April 1st, 3 to 5 p.m., it's Ring Rest Radio Live. We are going to be yelling at each other, drinking alcohol, having fun, and just, you know, be just regular debauchery. Uh, that is Ring Rest Radio, and it's going to be a really good time. Very excited. So this is the first time you guys have done something like this, right? It's the first time we've ever met in person, Graham. Like, I've never, I've never, I've talked to these guys, I've worked with these guys at Bleacher Report for six years, and we've actually never met in person. I'm from Philadelphia, Brandon Gavin's from New York City, Mike Yari's from Buffalo, New York. We've never all been in the same room at the same time. So when we walk in to that live auditorium, 
in front of all those people, it's going to be the first time we ever meet. So it's going to be a really cool element to the live show. That's so sick. I've been following you guys since day one, since October, September of 2011. So the fact you guys are meeting for the first time and doing the show all at the same time, Mania Weekend, is going to be great. So with this being your first Mania, uh, where's your excitement level at right now for the show? In terms of the card, not very high because it's not very good. I, I am going to NXT, so that has me excited. And I think on Sunday morning, we're going. The Hardys are doing some sort of like live event, mm. and we're going to that. So that's going to be really fun. And I know the the spectacle that is WrestleMania is always fantastic. So at the live show inside the Citrus Bowl, we're going to have a lot of fun. In terms of the quality of the card less excited but i'm still i still feel like and they WWE always does it they pull it out at the very end and give us a, a show that we're intrigued by so i i'm relatively excited but every day that passes I, I'm, the excitement climbs not anything WWE's doing they're doing nothing to get more <laughs> excited but, but i'm getting more excited myself so this will be your first nxt event or no I've gone to, this is my first NXT TakeOver event. Okay. I've gone to, they come to Philadelphia quite often, so I've gone to NXT shows, but I've never been to a TakeOver, and I've never been to, you know, a TakeOver at WrestleMania, where it, they're blowing this thing out. It's the first time it's going to Saturday. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the idea of it being, honestly, I'm, I'm looking more forward to that NXT show than WrestleMania at this point. I mean, they got Nakamura Rude for the NXT title. They got Ember Moon Asuka for the women's title. They just announced last night they got the triple threat tag team title match. It's, it's going to be great. Uh, anywhere you see Cassius Ono fitting into that card? Yeah, I'm not sure where they're going to put him. I, I definitely think he will be there. I think that if you put him against anybody, when I saw NXT recently, he fought Andrade Almas in a like the first match of the night. So I could see them, you know, quickly throwing that together. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's a match on the card. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. I forgot that he doesn't have a match on the card either. But uh, you also mentioned the Broken Hardys there for a second, too. And a lot of, obviously, a lot of controversy surrounding that and the whole TNA deal, Impact Wrestling, whatever. And now currently in Ring of Honor, which is also that weekend. So a lot of stuff going on that weekend. Uh, defending those tag titles. Just announced the other day a tag team title ladder match for Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor. That should be great, too. Uh, any thoughts on a potential Hardys return at WWE that WrestleMania weekend? Well, that... that um, the Lakeland show, the Supercard of Honor, uh, April 1st, that's going directly head-to-head -head with our live show, and we are going to lose that battle. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> so I, I'm already resigned to the fact that they're going to win that battle. But um, in terms of the Hardys coming to WWE, I think that Joe Kopp said it himself that um, it's a short-term contract. Uh, it, it, it may be a big money contract in terms of how they're promoting it, but in all reality, it is a short-term contract. So I think there is a very distinct possibility that the Hardys show up. I don't want the Hardys in WWE unless they have complete creative control of what they're doing. So if they can do what made them successful in TNA, what made this last year of TNA bearable, honestly, if they can do that in WWE, then they should go there. If they can't, then they should go somewhere else. In my opinion, if I was the Hardys and everybody's offering the same amount of money, I would say go to Lucha Underground because I feel like of all the companies out there right now, Lucha Underground has the post-production ability. They have the, the foresight to really take that character and bring it to the next level. So if, if, I, was, if I was them, and you know, they have a ton of money, and I, you can always have more, sure. But to be creatively satisfied, I think Lucha Underground is the best option.
That's what I was thinking too. The only issue, I think in a perfect world, I think Lucha would be the best place for them to go. I think the only issue with that is, I think, I mean, obviously no one knows the details officially yet. Um, they won't be taping any more dates until the fall, maybe, if that's even to be, if that even happens. I know they have yet to air the rest of their third season, the second half of that season, which should hopefully air, I think, starting in May. So we'll see. But yeah, I could not agree more. I think the best place for them would be Lucha. Um, if they were to go back to WWE, it would have to be the broken characters. I got to agree. I think there's a lot left with that gimmick right now. They can always go back as you know, the classic Hardys down the line. But I think for right now, um, I think you know sticking with those broken characters is the best thing for them. So Obviously, the Hardy Boys being a very popular topic right now with, you know, as you had said, the short-term deal, the Ring of Honor, wrapping up that weekend potentially. We could see them at Mania. Very slight possibility, but you never know. Uh, any other shockers, any other surprises that you're on the lookout for WrestleMania weekend? Well, yeah, I mean, we still don't have Samoa Joe in any match. Finn Balor has returned, but he is not, uh, hasn't officially returned to television. So I'm thinking, you know, we, we, with this Seth Rollins-Triple H match, um, they're going to want to... They're going to want to throw everything at this. And, and I, while they, I'm not sure if they're going to advertise it yet, it could be an unsanctioned match, which we saw between uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels before, which is really cool. I think if you have Samoa Joe come down and it's Triple H and Samoa Joe beating down Seth Rollins in that unsanctioned match, then you have Finn Balor come out and Balor or whatever you say, however you say his name. I just refuse to say it correctly at this point. <laughs> Finn Balor, uh, if he comes out with that entrance at, in front of the Citrus Bowl, I think that would be an absolutely amazing moment. So uh, I'm not going to go crazy with in terms of like huge surprise returns or anything like that. But if if Finn Balor shows up and he, we have the demon entrance and all of the festivities that go with that, all of the hype, the pomp and circumstance that comes with that, I think that would make for an amazing moment. I think the biggest knock on Mania last year was the fact, at least for me anyway, was the fact that they focused a lot too much on the past with guys like Stone Cold coming back and Shawn Michaels and The Rock, which was cool. I mean, it was great to see those guys, but there weren't, there wasn't enough focus on the future. And uh, Finn Balor coming back, obviously a current star, former world champion, hopefully a future world champion too, and coming back to the roster sooner rather than later, I think it would be a great moment. Uh, you mentioned Rollins and Triple H there, not yet official for the card. I think an unsanctioned street fight, something along those lines, would be the best way to utilize, utilize those guys at WrestleMania. Uh, what were your thoughts on the ending the Raw this week with those two? Well, first, first I want to just mention you said how WrestleMania should be about building young guys. And they're absolutely going to do that, Graham. They got that young upstart Goldberg going against <laughs> that hot, fresh talent Brock Lesnar. And I think in that main event, you're going to have, you know, it's the combined age of 171. <laughs> so I'm very excited to see what they do. No, but I, it is what it is. WrestleMania is a spectacle. It is a moment. And they are just they're trying to gain these casual wrestling fans. Remember, oh, if you look at the Attitude Era, there were, there were millions, six, seven, eight million people who tuned in weekly to both shows. And they're still out there somewhere. And I think that Vince, by, by putting these older guys in on WrestleMania, it, it's, it's intriguing to people who don't watch weekly anymore. And I understand that, you know, Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho most certainly deserves the Universal Championship on the line between them. They deserve the headline. They're the best story, the best characters all year. Uh, but they were kind of cast aside for this Goldberg-Brock Lesnar thing. And if, from Vince, Vince McMahon's perspective as a company, 
that's the most mainstream marketable match. Because if you're a casual fan, you look at Goldberg, you look at Brock Lesnar, you're like, oh, I know those guys. Cool, I will check this out. But it does leave some young guys in the dust, and I hate that. But in terms of Triple H and Seth Rollins, I like what they did. Uh, it adds intrigue. It, it, one, it gave Seth Rollins the upper hand by tricking uh, the cerebral assassin. But then Triple H gets the upper hand by smashing him in the leg and putting him in a knee bar. I really like what they're doing there. They're setting it up perfectly. But in my opinion, I think the best setup for any match right now was what we saw with AJ and Shane. And I know a lot of people don't like Shane versus AJ because they think it's a waste of AJ's talent. But as we've seen in TNA, AJ can do the hardcore stuff. He can pull, the, he can do uh, styles clashes through tables, off off the stage. He has done some of the most ridiculous spots. All, the, all those, uh, those dead, what are those X matches? What are they called? Oh, the uh, uh, Ultimate X matches, yeah. Ultimate X, and even the one against Rhino that was like with scaffolding. That was <laughs> yep. another one. He can do that stuff, and I think that, the, I, yes, I, I, I understand he probably deserves a bigger spot, but in WWE's perspective, putting putting AJ Styles against a McMahon at WrestleMania is a huge, huge moment for him in the eyes of Vince and company. So if he goes in there and he steals the show, because you know, you know Shane can put on great hardcore matches, AJ will put on a great hardcore match and still have all those fantastic wrestling aspects that we know and love from him, and you started off with AJ throwing him through the back window of a car, busting him open. I actually really like what they're doing here, and I know that it may not be the best use of AJ. He deserves to be WWE champion heading into the event, probably being one of the main events. He will be one of the main events, and honestly, with WrestleMania being about the spectacle, about the moments, AJ and Shane could have the biggest moment of the night. I think they could. I mean, I think it was you that called the last year on your show on Ring Rest Radio is the fact that, okay, he did the, the elbow... I think we were talking before Mania last year because I distinctly that you were the one that, that, that said this, that he did the flying elbow to take her on Raw. So if he did that, or uh, Shane had done the flying elbow to take her on Raw. So if he did that on Raw, what the hell is he going to do at WrestleMania? And they did exactly what you said they would do in doing the fucking flying dive off the top of the Hell in the Cell through the side of the, uh, through the commentary table at the, on the side of the ring. So that was a great spectacle. I mean, the match itself wasn't really all that good, but that moment itself was what people remember. Um, from an in-ring standpoint, I think I could not agree more with the fact that I think if there's anyone that could get that good of a match out of Shane McMahon at this age... It's AJ Styles, and like you said, I think he, he can absolutely work that style. We saw that at TLC. We've seen that multiple times before in the past couple of um, past couple months with AJ and a number of others on the, on the SmackDown roster. So I think it can be one of those matches that a lot of people sleep on at the show, and it could end up being the show stealer of the night. Um, but with AJ and Shane aside, any other matches that you look at this card and think, okay, this is going to be the match that steals the show. Aside from maybe AJ and Shane, any other matches that you were specifically looking forward to on the card? Uh, both women's matches should be really entertaining. I feel like I feel like we're missing a singles match with the women. I feel like even if it was Alexa Bliss, in my opinion, if I was booking SmackDown, it would have been Mickey James and Becky Lynch singles match for the title. I think you could have, that could have been one of the best women's matches in WrestleMania history. Same thing goes for the Raw side. You could have just done um, Bailey against uh, Sasha Banks if you you know rushed that. Just at least built that storyline properly even, because it's been terrible storytelling on that part. But I think even with probably Nia Jax getting involved and, you know, five or six women uh, getting involved on SmackDown, I think both women's matches are going to be excellent. But in my opinion, the match I'm most looking forward to is Neville Austin Aries. Those two guys are absolutely fantastic in the ring at what they do. They are two of the best mic workers. Neville has shocked me. 
as this heel character, he has been elite. And Austin Aries always been one of the best on the mic. And in the short time they've had to build this match, they've already added so much intrigue. Now you let these guys lose. If they put this on the main card and they give this match, you know, 14, 15 minutes, I think this match could steal a show in terms of excitement. Now, will the crowd be behind it as much as they should? They haven't been behind the Cruiserweights yet. But from my perspective as a guy who loved Austin Aries and TNA, as a guy who's always loved Neville, I think this has the potential to be a great in-ring work match, and it could be the, it could be the best of the day. Oh, absolutely. I think especially, too, with the Cruiserweights. I mean, the past six months have not what they should have been for the guys, but I think at the same time, they've been slowly building momentum, especially with Neville's champion. I mean, you know, like you had said, the fact that he went heel, his mic work's been great. By far one of the best mic workers on Raw, something I never thought I would say, but he has really come a long way in that department. Um, but the matches he had with Gallagher at Fastlane, which I think was the match of the night of that pay-per-view a couple weeks back, the match he had with Rich Swann on Raw and at the Rumble a couple months ago as well, they're slowly building momentum, culminating with this big match at Mania between him and Neville, or rather him and Aries, and it's the biggest match they could possibly do. There is no two bigger names, there are no two bigger names in that division at the moment than Neville and Austin Aries, and um, I think it's either got to go on first or be put in a spot where it can succeed, so to speak, and the fact that if they put it on second to last or whatever, the crowd probably won't care, but if it's put in a, in a position to succeed like the last couple of ladder matches have been at WrestleMania... Um, the, the people will be behind it. They'll be into the matchup. That should be exciting. Uh, any other bold predictions that you have for WrestleMania come April 2nd or 1st or whatever it is? Uh, I would say, if we're talking about the opening match, I think of all the matches that deserve to open the show, I think that Owens-Jericho should open the show because they, of, of all the stories that have been told, they have the longest running. They have the most well-defined story between the two of them. I don't like the fact that Kevin Owens is, is basically ignoring his Universal Championship rematch to go after the United States Championship. I like that they're trying to explain why he's doing it. I just don't personally agree with it. Mm -hmm. But I think if you give Owens and Jericho the opportunity to open the show, you give them 15 minutes to open the show, get us a, heart, a hot start. Every one of the best openers we've ever had at WrestleMania, you look at Daniel Bryan, Triple H, opening the show, how fantastic was that match? But Owens, Jericho, two very talented in-ring workers with a story to tell, a story to, to build into the match and out of the match. And I think that not only can they steal the show, those two guys, but they can actually make the United States Championship feel important again for the first time since John Cena held it. It, yeah, it's been some time. I mean, last year the belt was on the kickoff show and the very forgettable match between Ryback and Kalisto. And then the year before that, it was, as you had seen, it, it, it was Cena. And then Rusev going for the goal, or he was defending the championship, rather. And before that, I don't think the U.S. championship had been defended at Mania at all, not even in a multi-man match or anything, and close to seven or eight years. So hopefully, you know, with the belt on Jericho now and later on Kevin Owens, whenever that might be, WrestleMania, Payback, whatever, uh, they can kind of reclaim some of that lost prestige of that championship. But no, yeah, I think that'd be a great opening to the show. Them or the Cruiserweights or really whoever um, are in a prime position to succeed on that show and opening the event. With Owens and Jericho, it could really go either way with Jericho reportedly sticking around until after WrestleMania, Payback, what have you. But as you had said earlier, Brock and Goldberg will kind of circle around and go back to that. Um, the, the thing with this match, as you said, it's the biggest match they could do with the guys on Raw. Everyone knows who Brock and Goldberg are from a casual fan standpoint. Um, the, the, the problem, I think, with the match with a lot of, for, for a lot of people is not the fact that it might suck from an in-ring perspective, but rather where they really go from here. Um, I've been kind of struggling to find out myself and trying to figure out 
even if Brock wins and assuming that he sticks around, um, that we might not see him again until SummerSlam. Now that there's more reports coming out that he might be defending the belt against Roman Reigns next year, WrestleMania. Obviously, they never stick to their long-term plans for WrestleMania, by and large, so we'll see how that pans out. But, uh, I mean, you already kind of spoke your, your your piece on the match itself, but where do you think they go from here, assuming, you know, regardless of who wins that match, where do we go beyond WrestleMania with the Universal Championship? Well, to me, I've always been a Goldberg fan. I was a WCW guy over a WWF guy during the Attitude Era. I love the NWO. That was my heyday. I was 10 in 1997, and I favored ECW and WCW. That was just my thing. And I was never a fan of WWF. I mean, I always loved Stone Cold, and I loved what they were doing with The Rock and stuff like that. But I was a WCW guy. I liked what they were doing over there. To me, I always liked Goldberg. He has the aura. Goldberg is what Roman Reigns, what WWE wants Roman Reigns to be. Comes out, hits hard, says a few words, and then leaves. Um, so I, I, I don't mind him winning the championship. And people hating on Goldberg for winning the championship, in my perspective, um, that championship, the Universal Championship, didn't mean anything. If you watched WrestleMania last year and you haven't watched WrestleMania, or you haven't watched any wrestling until this WrestleMania, you don't even know the Universal Championship existed if it wasn't on Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. So instantly, if you come in there, you see this championship, and then you see Brock Lesnar fighting Goldberg, where you're like, man, that title must be important because these two legendary guys are fighting for it. So I think, one, it gives the title instant credibility, which I think WWE needs desperately. Um, in terms of the match, I'm just, I think it's going to be like a five-minute match tops. I, I, I hope it gets five minutes. It might get two minutes. Who knows? But I want Brock Lesnar to destroy Goldberg the way that Goldberg destroyed Brock Lesnar. That way you give Brock Lesnar's credibility back. And coming out of the event, if Goldberg sticks around, cool, let him work somebody else, do whatever he does. But it's more about the championship and Brock Lesnar. I want them to build Brock Lesnar strong. I think he would probably show up a few times in between then and SummerSlam, uh, put the title on the line, maybe in a secondary pay-per-view, however they do it. I think they have to... I think they learned from last time with him in the championship. It didn't work out very well with months and months of not defending it. So... If they do it, if they do that properly, they give Brock Lesnar championship. They let him defend it once against somebody. You know, Kevin Owens challenges and loses, and then at SummerSlam, Brock Lesnar drops the title to whoever Finn Balor, you know, I mean Seth Rollins, even Roman Reigns. I'm not a Roman Reigns fan, but it's about putting over that next generation. We talked about WrestleMania and how it's supposed to be the time where you you, you showcase your up and coming talent. Well, if they're not going to do it at WrestleMania. They have to do it at some point. And whoever beats Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship, whether it's SummerSlam or wherever, instantly gains so much credibility. So I think that, while in the short term, yes, Goldberg, Brock, it's not ideal. It's not uh, what a, a hardcore fan really wants to see in the main event for the, the, the Universal Championship. I think in the long run, it will be best for the company because whoever beats Brock, that's, that's a huge chip that they had just earned on their shoulder. And on the bright side, I mean, this match might not have the up-and-comers that the WWE title match does. I mean, this match might just have part-timers and Brock Lesnar and Goldberg, but at least the WWE title match does with Bray Wyatt, who finally won the WWE title last month uh, against Randy Orton. Probably not in the main event, but it should be an upper-tier match, hopefully. And it won't kick off the show like a la WrestleMania 27 or 28, whatever. Hopefully they learn from their mistakes in past years with the brand split and having two world titles, whatever. Um, what have been your thoughts going into this match between Wyatt and Orton, and do you think they could have a way better match this time around than they did at No Mercy uh, late last year? Well, I heard a lot of people complaining about the story being told here, and I think in WWE, 
we as fans, we're desperate for two things, character development and storytelling. Mm-hmm. And they, they don't do a lot of that at all. WWE is, is lacking that, and it's very inconsistent. But where it's not inconsistent is the story between Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt. They have, they have done a great job. This is what, when we, when we talk about Daniel Bryan versus Bray Wyatt and how this was kind of like that in the beginning, that only lasted a month. That didn't last very long. This is what that storyline should have been. Mm-hmm. Randy Orton trying to beat Bray, not able to beat Bray in the family. So he infiltrates them and he breaks them apart from inside, tears them down, alienates Bray. Not only does it make Randy Orton look very strong, Randy Orton doing some of the best work of his career in the ring and on the mic right now, it makes Bray Wyatt, it forces Bray Wyatt to become even crazier, to become more of a maniac. It, it breaks him down and forces him to come back up like a phoenix, but a batshit crazy phoenix. And I love that. I love what they're doing with Bray Wyatt here. And I do not believe Bray Wyatt wins. I think Randy Orton wins the championship at WrestleMania and Bray Wyatt just loses. But with that said, I'm hoping that this resurrection, this new Bray Wyatt we get, is even more evil, even more sinister, and attacks Randy Orton after the match, and then this continues on, and then you have more of this storyline. My my problem is, and I, I hate it so much, Bray Wyatt is such a good character. He could be in the same vein as The Undertaker if booked properly. The problem is he has never been booked properly. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in the last few months, he's been booked really well. And when he's been booked really well, the fans are behind him. The storyline supports him. And it's been some of the best stuff we saw. Some people hate the cheesy horror movie element of this. But to me, I'm a horror movie fan. I love this stuff. I love that they're taking this time to film. Randy Orton burning that cabin down was incredible. Then showing Bray Wyatt kneeling in it and and picking up the ashes of Sister Abigail and and the cabin and saying she was never here, she was always inside me. Those Those are such cryptic messages. It is He is such a supernatural aura again. My only worry is, does it all go away when he loses? That's the real question. I, I would hope not. Like you said, this is the absolute best booking of Bray Wyatt, probably since he showed up on, on the WWE scene, uh, with the exception of the first few months, and they were building momentum in the match, in the, in the feud with Daniel Bryan, as you had mentioned, and then it really kind of went downhill after the loss to Cena, the very unnecessary loss to Cena three years ago at WrestleMania 30, and it took him a long-ass time to get back to the top, and he's finally there. And hopefully the follow-up is key. I think losing the championship is not the worst thing. I would want Wyatt to win, obviously, but, I mean, the story they've been telling with Orton, I think he has to overcome his demons at some point. Wyatt got the first win, um, you know, many months ago, no mercy. Orton wins this time. Maybe Wyatt wins the rubber match. Who knows? That whatever pay-per-view's next for SmackDown, Backlash, whatever. But um, it's all about the follow-up. With this company, it's it's always questionable and how, and how they do that. And I think I love your idea about making it more sinister and more evil coming out of that event. Only time will tell. Um, but you mentioned Taker there as well. And the feud for this match as well, the, the build to this bout at WrestleMania has also been well done. I mean, it's only been two weeks, um, but they planted the seeds of the Rumble. They did what they did last week with Taker laying at Roman Reigns and then Roman Reigns this week showing a more heelish side. Uh, I mean, obviously the biggest question in everyone's mind right now, does Roman go heel after either at WrestleMania or after WrestleMania, in my mind, I think this would be the catalyst, the perfect time to turn him. But I feel like we've all said that a million times. Uh, so, what have been your thoughts going into this feud, and do you think this could be the time they finally pull the trigger on a Roman Reigns heel turn? Okay, I, and this may be unpopular, but I absolutely hate 
what is happening here. I'm not a Roman Reigns fan, and that is not even the reason why I hate what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of Roman Reigns, especially with, with the, I think the perfect um, representation of why I don't like this was Shawn Michaels showing up. Shawn Michaels had no reason to come out there. What tie does Shawn Michaels <laughs> have to Roman Reigns? I understand his tie to um, Undertaker. You know, he retired him. I get all that. And when Shawn Michaels came out with Triple H, that's Triple H's best friend, and he has a tie to the Undertaker, and he's got ties to both sides. That's why he feels like he has to come out. Shoehorning Shawn Michaels in here is is not the right answer, and I think the answer that Roman Reigns gave to Shawn Michaels is the reason why I have no faith in this. I think that they're kind of teetering Roman Reigns in this tweener area, this gray area between him and face right now, because they know he's going to be booed Mm -hmm. against Undertaker. He is going to stay face coming out of this. When he said, hey, it's really cool that you're here, Shawn Michaels, but I'm not really here to talk to you. He should, have, he should have just dropped Shawn Michaels where he stood and been like, no one tells me what I'm doing. He should go heel. If you, and here's the thing. If you turn him heel, all the people who hate him will now start to like him. All the people who like him will still like him. And then when everybody starts to like him organically, then you turn him face, and WWE's problem of everyone hating Roman Reigns is gone. There will always be a contingent of fans who don't like this guy. But it should be pretty easy to turn him heel, let him have a, a little heel run, and you know what? By next WrestleMania, he'd be faced again. And, there, and you know what? Vince could wash his hands on it. He's got that top guy he loves. But he is so dedicated to keeping this guy face. Um, it's just, it's sickening to me. I don't like it. And I think the idea of building to Roman Reigns versus Undertaker, because in my opinion, I think Roman Reigns wins the match. And coming out of it, remain face. So if you beat Undertaker and remain face, completely counterproductive to what they should be doing. Yeah, I mean, just coming out of WrestleMania is already hated as it is, and, and beating the one guy who's only been beaten once at WrestleMania, and then expect him to still be. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, expect him to still be cheered, but he's not really being cheered all that heavily in most cities, so it doesn't really make much sense. Um, I see where they're going with this, but at the same time, do you think having having Taker win and putting the fifty year old broken down body of the Undertaker over Roman Reigns? Do you think that sends a good message as well? Or do you think there could be a win-win in having Taker win and then having Roman Reigns attack him afterward or something like that? Oh, I'm, I would, I'm all in on a heel turn. If they were to turn him heel, I would support his character. I would be Everything that he does would be more acceptable if he was the bad guy. The problem, problem is I have no faith at all that they're turning this guy heel. Mm-hmm. I think they're just letting him float in that gray area because they know he's already going to boot. But as soon as Undertaker's out of the picture... He's going up against a top heel coming out of this. And like I said, I do believe, I know there was reports, I think Dave Meltzer said that uh, the, 30, the main event of WrestleMania 34 is already inked in and stuff like that. There's no way in hell WWE has that book that far ahead. Now, they may have an idea, but that's certainly not the game plan. I could see Roman Reigns taking the title from Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the guy. You know, If you build Brock Lesnar up, Wins the championship in Goldberg and has all this momentum. You have to pass that momentum on to somebody. You want to pass it on to a guy who you have a lot of faith in. WWE loves Roman Reigns. Vince McMahon loves Roman Reigns. I think SummerSlam in Brooklyn, Roman Reigns beats Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship after beating Undertaker. And he's a face the whole time, too. 
<laughs> exactly. I, the, the funny thing is that he'll beat Taker at Mania. I mean, there's kind of no question about that. I think he's my official prediction as well. He'll beat Taker at Mania. He'll get booed. And then he'll beat Lesnar at SummerSlam in Brooklyn, of all places, where he'll still get booed and win the championship. And, yeah, as you said, he'll be a face the entire time unless they come to their senses. I just The only thing I think, as you had said, I think he needs to be a heel. And it kind of worked for AJ, not that he was being he was being booed before, but he came to WWE, he was popular, but I don't think his level of fanfare was nearly where it's at right now, and turning him heel uh, to the point where now everybody pretty much loves AJ Styles, and turning, and, and turning him back face eventually, which he is destined to be at some point or another in the near future, um, they, they got to do the same thing with Roman Reigns, hopefully at some point, but my only gripe with this, as you had said, is that just, I mean, it, despite it being the right thing to do, there have been so many opportunities to do it, whether it be at Survivor Series 2015 when he could have joined the Authority, or at Mania this past year in the feud, or last year with Triple H, and this past year with Seth Rollins and doing a double turn. There's just been so many opportunities. They drop the ball every single time. They are so adamant about making him face. They're so, they're so short-sighted and not thinking long-term and turning him heel in the back face, as you had said, which would work out so much easier, but... I guess we'll see come WrestleMania, but it'll be an interesting match. And nevertheless, the entire card is, whether it be good or bad, it's certainly interesting for the most part. But um, being there will certainly be great, as well as take over that Saturday. It's going to be a great weekend. But also that weekend, as you mentioned earlier, Donnie, is your event. So one more time before we go off the air, uh, where can people find it, find out more information, and any more details you want to throw in there? I'm so sad we didn't talk about the real main event of the show. The Miz against John Cena. Oh, you know what? Let's talk about that real quick. I want to get your thoughts on that. I I completely forgot about that, but that has been absolutely awesome recently. So I want to get your thoughts on that before we wrap up. The build build has been fantastic. It will continue to be fantastic. I think everybody but Nikki Bella has been awesome throughout this process. (laughs) And if we never let her talk again... God, that would be so good. But I love them. I love the Miz, and I love what John Cena doing. That's really awesome. But I'm telling you, I'm walking out during this match. I'm gonna go get beer. I'm gonna go get pretzels. I'm gonna use the bathroom. I'm gonna just walk around for a while, just explore the building. <laughs> I don't care. I don't think Miz is as good as everybody says he is in the ring. John Cena is a, a product of the people he wrestles, so that combination does nothing for me in the ring. Maurice was never that good as a champion, and Nikki Bella is not as good as PWI tried to tell me last year. So I don't care about this, and I, I, the build's great. I don't care about the match at all. I'm just being sarcastic. I don't give an f about this match. <laughs> Do you think there's a chance? And I'll ask you this. I'll ask you this. You, you can't tell me you won't be sitting there after Cena and Nikki win, despite the fact they're probably leaving after Mania again to go do what no to go not do go God knows what whatever coming out of WrestleMania. Miz and Maurice will still be here despite being one of the hotter acts on SmackDown right now. Uh, Cena and Nikki will win. You cannot tell me, Donnie, that you will not be sitting there or at least standing doing the yes chant as Cena proposes to Nikki. You won't be enjoying that moment. Okay, my hope, and this is, this is on my honest-to-God hope, I hope that John Cena drops to his knee, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, Nikki, will you marry me? And then in that moment, he's breaking some sort of contractual thing that he made Nikki Bella sign, mm-hmm. and she turns heel on him <laughs> and takes everything from him. And the storyline coming out of WrestleMania is that since, since he, and that's a legitimate thing, he made her sign a contract that says she like can't have to be married, can't have kids, whatever yeah. it is. There's a whole bunch of contractual things. I'm hoping by him asking her to marry him, break some sort of contract, some stipulation <laughs> in that contract, voids the contract. Nikki turns heel, takes all his cars, <laughs> takes his Tampa home. John Cena's gimmick coming out of WrestleMania is he's impoverished. He has nothing left to give. All he's got is the colorful shirt on his back 
and he's got to rise from the ashes of the next year and finally gets it back at WrestleMania 34. That's all I can hope for. That is some great long-term booking there. That is probably, I, I think I might be more excited for the match, or rather the post-match angle that you proposed, I think more than anything else in the card right now. No, it's not happening. Don't not get excited for that. It's <laughs> just fantasy booking because I know that in reality all it's going to be is, and you know what the best part is? The only person who could get John Cena to propose to Nikki Bella is Vince McMahon, his favorite superstar of all time. He would never have done this unless Vince was like, you know what you got to do, John? We got to pop the audience. You got to propose. He's like, no, 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 Vince, I can't do that. And Vince is just like, come on, John, you're John. You can do this. And then he's like, okay, I'll do it for you, Vince, because you're my favorite. Uh, that would be great. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, if there's any one person that can make that happen, it is Vinnie Mac himself. Um, I think that yeah. would single-handedly make Total Divas the most intriguing show if that were to happen. If they were to film that angle for Total Divas, and then going forward, I, that would make it more exciting than Raw. If it isn't already, I would say. But, uh, Dan, that's, uh, that's, that's a hell of a fantasy booking storyline. I really want that to happen. I know it won't, as you said, but... Uh, that's a great note to end on. I would love to see something like that happen at WrestleMania. I guess we'll see afterwards. And even if he proposes, and because and, you know it's not going to happen, but I don't know. The build has been great. The match will probably be the drizzling shits, but uh, only time will tell come WrestleMania weekend. But yeah, like I said, the card will be interesting. It's a stacked card, stock, you know, top to bottom. But uh, regardless of whether you're there or not for the people out there, it's going to be a good show. Hopefully better than last year. That's the only thing we can really hope for. But um. That being said, Donnie, once again, uh, your show that weekend, as you said, you're going head-to-head with the Ring of Honor show. People should go to the Ring Rest Radio show. I mean, Ring of Honor is great, but trust me, your show is going to be the show to be at. So for those of you in the area, uh, Donnie, where can people find it? Any more details they can find out about before the show in a couple weeks? Well, this show is Saturday, April 1st, 3 to 5 p.m. It's a sleep-in and suites, Orlando International Airport. Tickets are 10 bucks. You only got a couple left. Uh, so if you, guys, if, you, if you hear this, go get them quick because we legitimately, there's only a limited number left and we're almost sold out of them. Uh, if you would rather go see the Hardys against the Young Bucks, I do not blame you. But if you do have, if that's sold out and you're like, I have nothing else to do, then come on down. We're going to have drinks. We're going to have a bunch of fun and a bunch of, uh, bunch of vulgar language and a bunch of yelling at each other. Again, I haven't met these two guys before, so who knows? There could be a literal fist fight <laughs> if these guys are getting mouthy to my face. I don't know. I, I've never done this before, so we're going to have to see. That's the real Supercard of Honor right there, Ring Rest Radio Live Show. It's going to be great. <laughs> uh, before I go off the air, Donnie, anything else you'd like to uh, plug for the people? I know. Just find me you know, on Twitter at Donald underscore Wood. I'm. Uh, I write for Forbes. I write for Bleacher Report doing wrestling. So go check out my stuff. And thank you, Graham. I really love the show. You do awesome stuff here. So thank you for having me on. Thanks, Donnie. I appreciate it. Always a great time talking to you. And I'll catch you down the road, brother. Yeah, man. Last but certainly not least, huge thanks to Donnie for coming on the show here today. I appreciate his time to talk all about his event coming up WrestleMania weekend in Orlando, which I implore you to attend if you will be there like I will be. Uh, Talking all about WrestleMania itself and just shooting the breeze on WWE in general. Always a blast having Donnie on the show. So that does it, guys. I certainly did not lie. I lived up to the billing in delivering you a triple threat of epic proportions. We had Donnie Wood on the show to talk about the Ring Rust Radio event and WrestleMania. We had Joe Koff, the Ring of Honor COO, to talk all about the Ring of Honor 15th anniversary show. And we also had the all-new Ring of Honor world champion, Christopher Daniels, to talk about his career and so much more. You can't get much bigger than that, guys. You just can't. You just can't get much bigger than that. So... 
Anyways, I appreciate you guys first and foremost for checking out the shows, sharing the shows, supporting the show. WrestleRant Radio would not be what it is today without your amazing support. So keep it up. It means the world to me. And the next couple weeks are going to be equally big. Like I said, we are back in Endicott College Campus next week with Tommy Sharp and myself to break down the latest, even more updated card than what we have right now for WrestleMania 33. And then the week after that, we got predictions, previews, picks. I'll be there in Orlando. We might do a special show, you know, from the site of the event and the Sunshine State. I can't wait to talk about it. I can't wait to be there. You know, the road to WrestleMania is always entertaining. It's always enjoyable. It's always exciting. It's always exhilarating. And this year is no different. And with all that being said, folks, have an awesome rest of your week. Enjoy Stone Cold Steve Austin Day. And in honor of the Texas Rattlesnake himself, I will catch your ass down the road.